Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House That Hinky Built podcast. As always, I am your host, Jackson Frank, uh, and per usual, we are hosting this on a Spotify green room. Just as a nice disclaimer for anyone who's confused about maybe how this goes down, uh, the plan today is to bring on Dane Moore, who covers the Timberwolves, uh, and it has been reported by Darren Wolfson that the Timberwolves would badly like to trade for Ben Simmons. So we will have Dane kind of break down the feasibility of that. We'll discuss through the options here what a trade might look like. Um, but Dane is here now, and we will get going shortly. Hey, Dane. How are hey, you? Dane. How are you? Sorry, can you say that again, Jackson? I just got up here. No, you're good. Uh, just, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. What's up? Thanks for having me. We, we, we're making this happen. Last time, I was not a then locker room aficionado, but now now I know the inner workings of this wonderful app. Yeah, I, and we're, I think the app itself is a... Taken on some new wings over the past few, few months. Uh, if I recall, it was either early February or uh, late late January. It was still pretty early, but we are we are here now. Um, so obviously, the plan today is to talk about the feasibility of a Ben Simmons to Minnesota deal. Um, obviously, it's been reported that the Sixers are, you know, at the very least, willing to try and work out some sort of deal uh, if it makes sense to improve their team uh, and deal Ben Simmons and Darren Wolfson, as I said at the top. Uh, reported that the Timberwolves badly like um, Ben Simmons. So um, what do you make of these reports? How do you think Ben maybe could fit with them? And what would what do you think the team would be willing to part with in a, in a deal to acquire Ben Simmons? Well, let's start with the first part there. The Timberwolves want any good player badly. <laughs> so, like, and for real, though, like, Roses mm-hmm. has said that since he came in, you know, day one. You know, he's from the the Houston tree mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, that was, that's what they did. They did Dwight Howard. They did Chris Paul. They did Russ Westbrook. You know I mean? That is his view of how you build a team. Or that is the Houston view is you, you kind of build up on the margins along you try and make some asset plays along the way. And eventually with the ultimate goal of, you know, flipping them to be, you know, to be a star player. And mm-hmm. so it should, I mean, as, Timberwolves fans know this happens every single time that the that any good player is is up for even just his name is in the wind like Rosas will not be shy about trying to kind of velcro his name onto that and that isn't you know to say that it's untrue right like I know D'Angelo Russell isn't the level of player that Ben Simmons is but it was the same thing, you know, from mm-hmm. day one, once D'Lo noise started happening, it was like wolves, wolves, wolves. Mm-hmm. And eventually it goes to Golden State, but as soon as any sort of rumbling started happening there, it's wolves, 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 you know? So, I don't know, like, are we trying to put a percentage on it? Like, that's hard. It, mm-hmm. But I think what what's new to Timberwolves fans under the Gerson Rosa's regime is – their organization is actually going for these type of guys. They're going to, they're going to make the phone calls. They're going to make offers and they're going to be, you know, creative about it. They're going to be strategic. And, mm-hmm. and whether that's a third team, which I mean, we can talk about some actual machinations, I think between the Sixers and Wolves, that would almost have to happen. So I think it's like, it's as real as you want to make it right. <laughs> it's not, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not fake, but it's uh it's it's kind of par for the course here. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things you mentioned there, kind of talking about Rosa's approach and kind of what he's learned from his time in Houston is hitting on the margins. And the Wolves have hit on a lot of the margins over the last couple of years, um, whether it's Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed, um, 
you know, guys, guys like that. Uh, yeah. you know, Jared Vanderbilt, of course. So um, th- that all of makes course. sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, everyone loves Jared Vanderbilt. Um, but yeah, you mentioned maybe a third team here and that, and that's, that's kind of what I think would have to happen to really entice the Sixers because when Daryl Morey hosted his first kind of presser after the season ended uh, a couple weeks ago, he said, like, of course his job as GM is to evaluate the team and evaluate every player and see how they can get better. And I just, I don't know if a, if a deal just between those two teams could really make the Sixers better. Um, you know, I just, I just wonder, you know, I think the two best maybe guys that would fit for the Sixers if, if that the Wolves have would be, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. Um, yeah. But I don't know if that's the sort of thing that, like, yes, it gets them more shooting to have a ball handler in D'Angelo Russell, but I think you've seen Russell's kind of best as maybe a secondary ball handler and things like that. Um, and so I just wonder if that if that is maybe the best approach to the Sixers. But are there any teams, when you've maybe thought about this coming to fruition where the, the Wolves end up with Ben Simmons, that could be a third party in this that could really you know entice the Sixers where there's kind of a lot of different moving players and pieces and whatnot that could maybe make it happen? Toronto, man, right? Like, that's it. It's the, I think it's the Kyle Lowry sign a trade as part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, and we can, we can go through the, the deal. I think the deal and Beasley financially, when you're talking about matching salaries with Simmons, um, mm-hmm. that those are the two best players the Wolves can give in that situation, assuming they're not going to give Cat or Ant, which is obviously, I think, a safe assumption. Um, so if you go, like you could go Beasley and Rubio, that they make thirty three combined. That's the same as Simmons, but D'Lo, um, you know, D'Lo and Beasley is the best you can you can get there. And then also, I think, I think what it would come down to is additional picks on top of that. So that I I think about it from Philly's perspective, they need to be able to take those picks and turn them into something that ends up being better than Ben Simmons. Because I don't think if you just put D'Lo and Beasley on the Sixers next year that they're better. Like, yeah, they, they aren't. I, I don't actually wouldn't even say it was close. So you got to be able to, you got to be able to find that third team. And I think obviously it's, you know, the Kyle Lowry noise is long and established in that own way. It's only a sign and trade. So maybe if you're getting two first from the Wolves, in addition to D'Lo and Beasley, one of those you're sending out in a sign and trade to bring back Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. um, you know, Again, Maury would need to be getting creative with that. But as a general framework, D'Lo, Beasley, two first-round picks, provided um, they can – Philadelphia can effectively use those picks to bring back Kyle Lowry. Um, I think that's that's a somewhat reasonable framework in my mind. Where are you at on that? Yeah, I think that, that makes sense. Um, I would wonder if, if – like, would Toronto try and be able to, you know – Maybe get one of the one guys between one of the young guys between these two teams, whether it's a, a Thiable yeah. or you know, I, I, I don't, I don't McDaniels. think or McD- yeah, I, 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 I don't think either team would trade Max or McDaniel's. Like I think that would be that. I think Toronto would probably be overstepping its bounds there a little bit. Um, but, but what I, if you I, take off a pick? I mean, what if? Yeah, yeah, that's true you know? too. Um, but yeah, the just like kind of messing with the trade machine. The the one I had here, maybe it's underselling Ben Simmons, but I had just between the two teams was, was D'Lo and Beasley in a top eight protected first next year for George Hill and Ben Simmons. Uh, you know, Hill is just kind of, you know, a little bit of salary filler to, right. um, you know, breach. it's not guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, that's true as well. Um, but if it is wh- whenever that deadline is, I think sometime in August, I want to say, then it does become guaranteed 10 million next season. But, but, but I agree that, that I think a third team does have to be involved here because I just, because I, I think, 
D'Lo and Beasley would fit great on the Sixers with Joel Embiid if they had that lead ball handler in place. You know, obviously Dame Lillard is the guy who's coming to mind a lot, but a Bradley Beal, a Zach Levine, like even a Kyle Lowry, like that's when it really gets interesting to put these two kind of, you know, Beasley's a great off-ball scorer and D'Lo, I think, kind of adjusted well once he came back from injury to play in a little smaller role with Cat doing his thing in the new offense and Anthony Edwards taking on a bigger role. Um, right. So that's why I think it's, I mean, it's just tough to, for me to see, as you mentioned too, that it's just, I just don't, like, it doesn't make them better. Like, they're probably, at best, they're probably in the same spot where they lose in a deep second round series. At worst, they lose in the first round because they don't have the, the same level of talent there with Ben Simmons in the regular season. So, um are there any but other? But let's do this. Hold on, hold on. Let's let's mm-hmm. do this. Let's go. So let's say because you said you think D'Lo can play off ball, which I think is somewhat reasonable. Like that 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 could work. That he could play functionally the two next to a like another point guard. So what if it was, you know, for the Sixers next year, you have Lowry, D'Lo, and Beasley all on the team. I mean, is is that not an upgrade from Simmons? Don't you think the Sixers are better next year with all three of those? Who was the third guy you mentioned there? Sorry, I couldn't quite. Beasley, Beasley, Beasley D'Lo, and D'Lo. who was the other one? And Lowry and Kyle Lowry. Uh, yeah, in that in that case, I do think they're better. And so, uh, I mean, I think I think with Lowry instead of Simmons next year. I mean, assuming Lowry doesn't have some big you know drop off as a smaller guard into his thirties, but I think mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, you don't you don't want. I mean. You don't want any of those three guys kind of leading you on the perimeter, but I think you have a margin for error in the sense that Joel Embiid, like you don't want, like you don't want Embiid to be your lead. Like I think you saw some pitfalls of Embiid as your your lead scorer uh, in, in the playoffs. Even he can be very, he's a great player regardless. Um, but I think it kind of eased the burden there. So I, I, I mean, I think just Simmons for Lowry straight up makes the team better next season. Um, but absolutely, if you let D'Lo and Beasley play off the ball, especially, I mean, especially Beasley, I mean, you can speak more to it, but I've always been really impressed when I've watched Beasley the last couple of years with what he can do off the ball, whether it's, you know, shooting off yeah. screens, you know, just relocating to openings kind of, you know, instinctively. Um, but absolutely, those three makes them makes them better for sure. And, and the, the point I've kept harping on is, yes, like Beasley and, and D'Lo aren't, aren't very good defenders, but you're, you're going to be a pretty good defense when you have Joel Embiid back there. So um, I think that absolutely makes them better. But so you think, but this, I mean, this is all contingent, right, on Kyle Lowry wanting to go to Philadelphia, right? Like That, that kind right. of makes it a little little tougher. I mean, it's it's been it's been reported that they want him. Uh, you know, obviously he was they were heavily tied to him at the trade deadline. Um, but it's also been reported that Lowry might want to go to you know Miami, and he has a close relationship right. with, with Jimmy Butler. So um, that's the one thing that makes it tough from kind of a a and money. perspective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's it's a tough situation, but um, I think if Lowry did, you know, came to Raptors management management and said, "Hey, like I'd, I'd like to go to Philadelphia, but I don't want to leave you guys hanging. I appreciate what you've done for me." Um, can we work on a sign and trade? Then absolutely, I think this is the sort of framework that makes sense. But uh, it all comes down to the guy wanting to be there, right? I mean, we saw we saw eight months ago what happens when you try and execute a sign and trade when a guy doesn't want to go go to that right. place with Bogdan Bogdanovich. So um, that makes right. sense. Though. But I, I absolutely agree with you that those three guys in place makes them a much better team and and gives them a chance to you know make their first conference finals in, in two decades. And I I apologize, my my dog has decided to. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, to bark and whatnot, but um, given given that, are there any other teams that you come to mind that maybe aren't quite as contingent on a on a one player choosing one team for all of this to be, you know, smoothly facilitated? Yeah. The thing is, is it's so smooth with Lowry. It's a sign mm-hmm. and trade where you're getting a really high level player onto the Sixers for mm-hmm. what I mean. 
maybe like at most you're giving up a protected first. Like that's just the sign and trades don't cost much. You're not, you're not mm-hmm. trading for the player. You're, it's like a, I was called, it, it's like a facilitation fee, right? Yeah. Like yeah. KD, KD to Brooklyn was that a top 20 protected first was the facilitation fee there that ended up becoming a second. Like it's, I think that's just, when I think about it from a Timberwolves and Wolves perspective, or Timberwolves and Sixers perspective, is you need to find a way to give the Sixers back somebody who is better than D'Angelo Russell. And mm-hmm. the, that's the best the Wolves can offer. And, and so it just, it just works so clean that you could put this, you could end up getting Lowry there somewhat feasibly to make it happen. If we're talking about other players, guys who are already under contract, well, now we're talking about numerous first-round picks to be traded out there. We are tra- talking about Jaden McDaniels needing to be in the trade. And you're already at the, like, whatever the price tag is we're talking about here, if it's D'Lo Beasley and one or two first-round picks, depending on protection, that's already a lot from the Wolves' perspective. So so that's why I just struggle to, like, find another team because the compensation to get that third team in there to get a player who's better than D'Angelo Russell that is that Kyle Lowry level. It's just it's, – it, it's hard to make it, like, feasible without the Wolves emptying out the whole, you know, pick trough. And mm-hmm. I don't – I I don't know. It, it's It's – I mean, you know, the Simmons side of it, the, the money's big. It, it, mm-hmm. This isn't just like a no-brainer on the Wolf side either to be mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll take on four years, $150 million of Ben Simmons. Like, that's that's not an obvious move. Particularly, I mean, he's be good, but it, it's – I don't think you're just like, here come the Wolves, <laughs> five seed, four seed. Like, it, you know, there's going to be things to be worked out there too. Like, how are Simmons and Rubio going to fit in the same starting mm-hmm. lineup? Right? Like – yeah, it's I don't know. Do you have another team? I it just nothing has been anywhere as close to as clean in my like hypothetical mind as Toronto. Yeah, the the way I've tried to look at this, you know, these the kind of a third team that would enter this these negotiations is it has to be a team that has win now talent and is in the market for for kind of a, a rebuild, which Toronto makes sense there with the Lowry and what else. So it, like it. Is it like I don't think I don't think that's Portland yet for now. Um, like maybe if maybe if Dame if the stuff gets the rumors grow, grow the reports go grow more you know concrete, then yeah maybe they go in a different direction. They they offload you know Dame or and or CJ, um, but I don't think they're in that direction now with the rebuild. Like, I, I don't think I don't think Indiana is in a place where they're going to want to rebuild. I mean when they when they just got Rick Carlisle, they're going to be healthier this year. A full full season mm-hmm. of Karis Levert. Um, but those are the, that's kind of the Washington. Of, what about Washington? Yeah, I think I think that's your most likely one. Um, you know, Beal was a little coy after their first round loss about recommitting to, to the, the Wizards. Now again, that's you know, I'm sure when he's maybe far removed from a, from a fresh loss like that, maybe is a different perspective. But um, it was certainly a change of tune from his long standing commitment to the Wizards. So that's the other one that makes sense. Um, but now we're talking about way more compensation. Right. Yeah, because like, Beal, Beal has what two or three years left, and it's not a sign and trade. Um, exactly. So that I mean, that's I think that's the one, other maybe, Chicago maybe like Chicago could be, a, but they just got Vucevic, so I don't know like why would they like what would entice them to really start a rebuild after they just like it just doesn't make sense. Like it was just it's just bad for the for a front office like that, a new front office in Chicago to one minute you're going to trade for Vucevic and getting rid of your first round pick, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, we're going to rebuild. So. That doesn't seem feasible, but yeah, Washington is maybe the one other one place right now outside of Toronto that I think 
makes sense. So what, then are we talking like are, are both the Wolves and, and the Sixers getting involved with some of the young guys? Like are Maxi or Th- and or Thibel mm-hmm. and Daniels? Like Vander- I know Vanderbilt's a little older, but like, like is, is that where we're going? Like what does that kind of look like in your eyes in terms of Beal to Beal to the Sixers, you know, Simmons to uh, – Well, we got to think about it like Washington's trying to get back the young package, right? They're, they're trying to get back the Rockets package, you know, mm-hmm. young, young player and a bunch of picks. So I think from a Wolves perspective, then you start being like, okay, well, if you're going to start trying to take more of our picks, more of our young players, we're not giving you both D'Lo and Beasley, right? We mm-hmm. will give you, you know, maybe Rubio and Beasley, right? Like that, that sort of thing. We got to step down in the outgoing players, salaried players going mm-hmm. in that direction if you're going to ask for a Jade McDaniels or if you're going to ask for it to be a second or third first round pick to be involved in, in this sort of situation. So I don't know. I think it would come down to how, how interested is Philadelphia in, in D'Angelo Russell coming back in, in that sort of deal, because there's ways where like, I mean, if you're the wolves and you could give up neither of D'Lo and Beasley and you can just go like Rubio and like a poo poo platter of like, Jarrett Culver and Jake Lehman, just straight salary filler guys. If the Wolves can do that and get back Ben Simmons, then, then like, let's go. Let's talk about lots of picks. Let's talk about Jade McDaniels. Let's talk about Josh and Kogi. Like, then if I'm Gerson Rosas, I'm willing to put a lot of that on the table because what have you really, what have you really, you haven't given up anything in terms of roster pieces. And now you go into next season, you got D'Lo at the one Ant at the two, Beasley at the three, Simmons at the four, Cat at the five. Like, that's a team, right? Like, you're ready to go. And that's been long been my belief with Rosa is that if you want to call it tanking or if you want to call taking it slow, whatever it might be, my belief has been, I've said since the beginning, they're going to be bad for two years. Rosas isn't going to do much of anything. But I've always said 2021 is going to be the summer where they they will go all in and put their chips in the middle or be at least willing to. So, I think some of that lines up. Like, I think they would, if they can get a star player, if they believe Ben Simmons is star, star player, like, I think they would they would shell out, right? Like, lots of young or draft assets. Yeah, and I think, and that's the thing you mentioned, like, not giving up both Beasley and D'Lo if they're starting to have to give up some of their, their kind of their young, their young talent that they've, you know, acquired over the last couple of years. It makes it tough because, I mean, Ben, Ben isn't a Ben isn't a salary dump, of course, right? But you still have mm-hmm. to account for the contract because it is one of the bigger contracts in the NBA these days, and that and that's what makes it so tough. Is like I just mm-hmm. you just you just you have so many moving parts in this situation um, when you when but you it makes it an opportunity it. too, man. It's an opportunity. It's like CP, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, sometimes yeah, maybe there's not much value on top of the dollars going out, but therein lies the opportunity to not have to pay as much in terms of compensation, right? Like this is a completely different conversation if for some reason Ben Simmons is making 17 million rather than 34 million, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, absolutely. It, so I, I think like, yeah, is it going to be tough for the Wolves to, you know, have both Cat and Simmons making over 30 million going forward? For sure. But and and if you keep D'Lo another thirty million, yeah, you are in trouble. You got to be paying the tax, doing all those sort of things. But it's gonna. It's part of the reason that the Sixers want to move on from Ben Simmons is not only just his fit; it is that salary that 
that it would they would be better not having to pay. And it, you know, in in there is a situation where they'd be better not having to pay it. So I think there there are Chris Paul similarities in that sort of way, given that he's just so expensive. Yeah, for sure. I think you know you mentioned not having to pay him, and I think that it's it's the idea that for the Sixers' goals, which is to win a championship, of course, you know, as long as Joel Embiid is this caliber of player. Ben isn't hasn't played the potential that you need to like to like in the regular season. Yeah, he's totally he's worth what he's what he's been what he made last season. But for for when it really counts for them, he hasn't been that caliber of player. You know, unfortunately for him and them. So uh, yeah, I think it's. I mean, the idea that I've maybe come come around with as I tinker a little bit with the trade machine and whatnot is like is like maybe a you know maybe you can kind of enlighten me on not enlighten, but I guess maybe kind of guide me on this is is. Noel and McDaniels uh, to uh, Washington, uh, a pick from both the Sixers and the Wizards to Washington. Uh, Beasley's involved, uh, and then Simmons and Beal are the kind of the two "quote unquote" all stars here. Is that is that something? Would the Wolves be interested in that at least? Like, would that would that make sense for them? I, I, I Does that make sense it. for Washington? That yeah, that's that's the thing is I don't know if it, like I don't think that's enough for Washington. Like, Beal, no, I don't either. For two more years. Um, you know, yeah. a couple of well, it's a player option in the second, so it's really okay. just one. Okay, but I mean, okay, let's just think about from Washington's perspective. Like, I'm holding out on Beal for numerous picks and and young players, and I think what you just laid out there was, I mean, I like Noel, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> McDaniel's is the is your young chip in there, and <laughs> and now you, I think you just did two firsts. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's going to cost more than that to get Bradley Beal. Like, maybe a lot. You're probably throwing Maxi and Thibel or Maxi, Maxi or Thibel. Like, I, I and I, yeah. I don't know if either. Like, and and, and those guys are like, I, I like the Maxi this year. Thibel obviously became a premier defender. Like, but I, I don't think you're you're not you're not starting a rebuild around either of those guys, right? And and if, no, if or McDaniel's, yeah, yeah, and, and McDaniel's is. I mean, you saw how good McDaniel's can play in a complimentary role, but that's when he's in a complimentary role when when Cat and Ant are doing mm-hmm. that thing offensively, and he's working as a spot up shooter, attacking closeouts, cutting and doing his defensive mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then the picks like aren't aren't that enticing because then the Wolves get really good. Like the Wolves get to be yep. a pretty interesting team right away, and the Sixers obviously are, are dang good too. So you're looking at like at best maybe the Wolves are a are a seven seed, and then you got like the. Maybe not best, but like they're a nine seed or a ten seed, and you're looking at like the thirteenth pick, and then the Sixers are they're kind of around the same place they were this year, and so it's it's just tough. Like I, so I think the the conclusion I'm coming to here is like, yeah, Toronto seems like the most likely third party, uh, and even that, as I mentioned, or or you got to pay out the wazoo in terms (laughs) of picks. Like for real, it's got to be like the four pick package. And if I'm Washington, if I'm Washington, I'm not even trying to get like the Wolves pick next year or the Sixers pick next the year after that. I'm saying give me your 2025, 26 unprotected, that sort of thing. Because I think, I mean, it's always a good bet to bet on the Wolves in falling apart. And like, you know, who knows what the Sixers are going to be like four, five years from now, like in B, what he be 31, 32. Like, I mean, I, I would want to be, if I'm Washington for Beal, I want, Young player, probably two of those young players, of of the three that we laid out, and then and then unprotected picks like off into the future. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Kind of those long term picks, like what the Nets, what the Nets and Rockets did uh, in the Harden deal, where you're bank you're banking exactly. on those teams being, you know, kind of going all in now and then 
you know, post post star era, they're a little more depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and the, the other thing too is like you 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 can just, you mentioned kind of I think I think the the picks is the most enticing thing here. But if if you wanted to like get the blue chip talent, you're like, yeah, it's Minnesota, we want Ant Edwards, but they're not trading Anthony yeah. Edwards for for Ben Simmons. Like he's just not that no. caliber of player. He's very good, but it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. This based, especially based off what we saw from Ant in year one, like you're just just bad management. You're not doing that. So, um, and you know, and there's nobody else in either of those rosters that really intrigues you from a to kind of a you're not rallying behind him as your your kind of your your centerpiece in a rebuild. So, um, yeah, if we would have had this conversation like four months ago, right? Five months ago. And I think, you know, Anthony Edwards is the outgoing piece to bring back Ben Simmons. You're kind of like, if you're the Wolves, but you're like, yeah, we're going to do that. You know, because at that point, Ben Simmons is having a, an excellent regular season. Anthony Edwards hasn't hit his kind of next level that he hit towards the end of the year. And, and that makes sense. But these four months have happened, right? Like, Simmons, no matter how much more he's going to want to wait and going to try and salvage value out of it, like it is undeniable that Ben Simmons' value has dropped some. Mm-hmm. And and on the other side too, I mean, Ant's value might have gone up a lot. Like I was, and I don't know, you're you're a draft guy like this too. So let let me ask you this: if would you would you take like Cade or Jalen Green over Ant right now? I would. I would or, go or Mobley. I would go Caden Mobley over Ant, but no one else in the class. Uh, and I think that's that's a testament to Ant, honestly. Like I, I yeah. think Caden Mobley are a great prospect. It's not, a, not. A, I mean, and I think I think Green's a great prospect as well. But I mean, just the growth you saw from Ant, uh, especially in offense and the way he approached things over the second half mm-hmm. of the year. Um, he, I mean, he's he's a legit blue. I mean, blue yeah. shit. One of the best young kind of you know built, team building guys. And he, just the chemistry, especially show with Cat in the second half of the year was was incredible. Um, so he, well, he opens up the idea for the Wolves that, like, I mean, the scary thing for for Wolves fans for the past couple of years, like, post-Jimmy, has been, all right, the end of the cat, like, what's going to happen at the end of this cat era, and they're going to eventually move on from him. Like, what even is there? Well, we're going back into, like, a rebuild or that sort of thing. I mean, that has been the scary reality. In Minnesota, the presence of Anthony Edwards has – deleted so much of that anxiety because it's like all right now if they get like hit by a left hook at the trade deadline or next offseason or something that cat is like i want out you're like all right well let's move all in around ant and you know that like our rebuild is already in progress in, in that sort of way so specific anthony edwards specific to the timberwolves too feels really important and really valuable and i hate like saying that any player is untradeable, but you know, he is, you know, because he is that blue chipper because he is, is who he is like is looking to be. I just don't think his name really belongs in any of these trade conversations. Even like, I don't know, people might think it sounds crazy. Even if it's Damian Lillard, like, I don't know. Right. Like given the age and given where the teams are and everything, he's just kind of like that young player that you're like, now we're, we're riding this out with him. Yeah, I think I think the argument like I, I would I would probably include Ant in the Dame package just given how many years he has left because I think the argument there becomes that you mm-hmm. your your timeline changes again right where you, where you, yeah. you're building around Cat and Dame rather than Ant and Cat and that that really changed guys who are basically a decade apart um, mm-hmm. you, you skew closer to win now mode or much closer obviously with Dame so um, but yeah I think he he is for the most parts kind of an off limits guy only for the rare I mean basically right. Dame is 
maybe the threshold there, maybe a little less, maybe a top, maybe you guys right. might be in the top 15, 20 yeah. range. But, but yeah, I, I see what you mean there that, uh, I mean, Ant, Ant really has kind of shown so much, but um, how, so when you look at the feasibility of, of Simmons to Minnesota, do you think it's more of just a thing, as you mentioned at the top, where the Wolves want good players and they try to go for the, they kind of go big fish hunting, uh, or is it? Is there actually kind of some smoke to this, or is it just more of this guy's oh. on the trade market and, and like we want him, but there maybe doesn't maybe there's not a lot of practicality, but not practical, but like likelihood behind it. I think it's both. I mean, like I, I there's for sure smoke behind it. Like it is not like we aren't having some like fake conversation here where we're like making a trade with our two K teams. You know, this is this could happen. Like I I, I think. I am not going to be shocked at all if Ben Simmons, I'm not saying it's likely, but I'm not going in my, my reaction when I see the, you know, the Woj tweet come through that it's happened. I, I that will, that will not shock me because I don't know, maybe I was kind of poking fun of it at the beginning. Like Rose is going to go down swinging with this team. Like he is eventually going to make this type of move before his time is up in Minnesota. If his time ultimately ends, like, He's not going to just wait and wait, you know, and, you know, try and build on the margins. That, you can't win that way in Minnesota. You can't. Like, it, it just it just doesn't work. And he knows that. He's built his whole plan around it. He's punted on caps. Like, the team, right now, the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves, who won 23 games last year, are, are $5 million away from the luxury tax right now. Like, <laughs> they, they're – they're in like they're they're in it. He has these contracts on the books, a bunch of filler contracts like Ricky and and Beasley and Wancho and all of them for this exact reason to be able to, it's a thing we always say with the Celtics, right? Oh, they the only guy they have in that, like that, like eight to $16 million range is Marcus smart. They don't want to train him. The Wolves got plenty of those guys. And that is intentional, right? To, to make a move like this for a Ben Simmons for, star player X once they become available. Rosas was in Houston when they got James Harden. This is like, mm-hmm. this is his MO. This is what he will go for. So I, I think the re- the question I have is how into Ben Simmons is Gerson Rosas? How much is he the, like how that, to that archetype of power forward or player, how into Ben Simmons is he? Cause you know how it is with Simmons. Like, there's this array of where everyone thinks he's good, but some people see like superstar in there and some people see this. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is. It's been very difficult to know exactly what Rosa's even exactly prioritizes or is into um, in, in terms of specific types of personnel. But I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think this is, is, is crazy at all. And I promise I would have never said that with David Kahn running the team or Tibbs running, whatever. It's like, this is a, this is Rosa's plan for team building. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, and so let, let's say for this, I mean, I think we kind of, we talked to the most likely hypotheticals here. One of which involving the Raptors seems much more feasible at this, at this juncture. Um, let's say that that goes down and the two, the two guys that are going out for, for the wolves are, are D'Lo and Beasley there. And let's say they're getting back, you know, George Hill and Ben Simmons. What, what does the team look like in that sense? How do they, how does Ben mesh with this new, new kind of new look core um, who's starting for the wolves at that point? And how does he fit well for them? 
And then we'll also maybe get into a little bit of a, a scattering port for, for Sixers fans on their team. Sure. You know, just, I guess, I guess those two guys would be going, we would go into the Wolves or the Sixers as well. But how does Ben fit on this hypothetical new look Wolves team if, if he's uh, there? He helps Cat so much. I mean, everybody does, you know, you could have watched five Timberwolves games in the past five years or 50. And you know what the problem is? It's Cat's ability to defend and pick and roll and effectively defend the rim. And we put a ton of that on Cat. We put a ton of that on Cat. But the reality of the situation is the guys that have been defending at the point of attack have been Jared Bayless, Tyus Jones, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, guys who cannot contain, sit down and contain the ball at the point of attack. Mm-hmm. It kills the Wolves' defense. That's why they've been a bottom eight defense every year of Cat's career. Now, part of it's on cap, but part of it is they have nobody who can defend at the point of attack. And I think you'd be with me in saying that Ben Simmons is the best point of attack defender in the NBA, correct? Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would put him up. I mean, I think about it in depth, but I would, I mean, I think he's at, at the very least in the in the conversation. I would, but I'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say yes. Generally speaking, generally yeah. speaking. So, so you have a. I, I think you have specific to Carl Anthony Towns, maybe the best possible player that you could pair him with from a defensive standpoint mm-hmm. and and not we can get the other side of the ball which is offense and that is definitely going to be much more wonky um, because that just comes with Ben Simmons but I don't think you can undersell how valuable it would be to be able to use Simmons at the point of attack defensively and as not as much of a strength of his but as that like weak side sort of rim protector rotating over in, in those sort of ways. The Wolves need both of those things, and Simmons can do both of those things, the point of attack part at an extremely high level. And and so I, I think that would make a world of difference. The Wolves, one way or the other, to make the playoffs, have to become an above-average defense. And mm-hmm. I think if you bring in Ben Simmons, you probably got that. Now the question becomes, particularly if you're sending out D'Lo and Beasley, who are you know your best wing shooters on the team, Mm-hmm. What does it look like? What does it look like offensively? And and that would be complicated, particularly because now your starting lineup becomes Rubio, Edwards, McDaniel's, Simmons, Cat. Like Rubio's got to go. You need a different type of point guard mm-hmm. um, or guard in some way mm-hmm. than than him. You can't do Simmons and Rubio together. I don't think. Yeah. So I think it would be a, some sort of string of trades where where you brought in somebody else. Um, in in that spot there, but I I don't know. I think there's a lot of different ways to use Ben Simmons than the ways that he's been used the past couple of years in Philadelphia. And I think it's Ben Simmons looks a lot different when it's Carl Anthony Towns who every time Cat catches it above the break, you're saying please shoot this. Or whereas when it's Joel, we're like, okay, I guess we'll take this in this situation. Like, not that Cat's a better player than Joel, but I think you know what I'm getting at there. Mm-hmm. It would just be – I think that would help Ben a lot offensively to have Cat being able to shoot six, seven threes a game at a 40-plus percent clip. That would be mm-hmm. – that would space things out for Simmons well. Yeah, and I, so I think I think the biggest thing offensively where Ben would benefit is, is like you can space too well, like as just a, a spot-up guy because he's so – such a good scorer. I mean, they did that this year mm-hmm. at times and give Ben space. But you can't – you can't really run many actions for Joel threes, whereas Cat you can mm-hmm. run him off of seven different types yeah. of screens. And so if you're using if you're using Ben as one of the screener there, and two guys run out of Cat, uh, you know Ben slips right. and Cat is obviously a very good passer. 
Um, he's going to be able to make the, make those reads, or maybe it's maybe it's Ant who's facilitating things, and Ant take a step forward, you know, another step forward, which I assume he will. Um, I mean, so yeah, I think the biggest thing there is just you know a lot of people are talking about in the chat, like if they traded Beasley and, and D'Lo, uh, you'd be you'd be losing your two best wing shooters as you mentioned. So you'd have to get some sort yeah. of point guard there who can who can <laughs> space that, the floor. If there's one thing that the Wolves can sacrifice, it's offensive scoring punch, like. <laughs> That mm-hmm. is, and that is the only thing. Not, not if it was one thing. That is the only thing that the Wolves can afford to sacrifice. Like, and they can. You know, they they do have other. They have Ant too. Like Ant isn't going out in this trade. Ant is is functionally similar to D'Lo in in what you know he would be. You, you're using him in a creation role a lot more, playmaking as we saw more and more of as the season went along. Like, yeah, Jane McDaniel's isn't isn't giving you like the off ball you know, moving without the ball, spotting up for threes in the way that Malik Beasley is. But there's other ways to replace, you know, some shooting on this team. Um, I, I like, yeah, maybe you, you, you can't play Josh Okogie as much, but, you know, there, there is Jalen Noel on the roster. There's mm-hmm. there's other guys to be, you know, brought back in a trade. I mean, George, George Hill, like, led the league in three-point percentage two years ago. So there's yeah. – I, I know, like – shooting is normally this thing that we so, so prioritize and, and value and teams need, and it is valuable, but like, <laughs> I don't know I, with the wolves. I don't think that's the number one thing. The number one thing is defense. You're not cat and ant are going to give you a ton of scoring punch, a ton right there. <laughs> and, and Simmons will too. Simmons isn't Simmons is nowhere close to a zero on offense. I, I think you can make it work offensively. I'm not, I'm not concerned about that outside of the Rubio element. Like that, I don't know about that. Yeah, and I think you know, just looking at free. I mean, you, I mean, because you have the you have the ball handling and the mobility in the backcourt between Ant and you know Ant and, and Ben. There, um, obviously, Ant has to take a step forward defensively, um, but you've got enough you've got enough mobility between those two guys that you can feel comfortable there. But you've got free agents like you know Reggie Bullock, Wesley Matthews, uh, you know sure. Malik Monk's a restricted free agent. I think he'll be outside of their price range um, in this mm-hmm. situation. But like you've got guys you can you can just get floor spacing around, and you have the versatile offense. Like you can get. You can afford to have some one-dimensional, um, you know, maybe have a few one-dimensional guys in your rotation who can just space the floor because you have, you know, two really versatile offensive players in Ant and and uh, and Cat, and then maybe a third guy in Ben who maybe take a step forward with more more floor spacing mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. So uh, I absolutely I absolutely agree there, um, especially with the defense as you mentioned. Yes, Cat, you know, has has shouldered some you know justified blame in his struggles as a pick and roll defender, but uh, it's it's really tough when you're playing one-on-two every time and the, the guard mm-hmm. is, you know, frozen frozen out by the screen 75% of the, the possession. So, uh, exactly. yeah, I, I wouldn't really worry um, too much there about the offense um, because I think Cat opens up so much um, just what he can do. It was, I mean, it was, it was really, really fun to watch kind of the different ways he was used offensively once Chris Finch took over. And, and I, would be re- I would really like to see what Ben could do with a guy like Chris Finch because Finch is a really good offensive mind. I don't think Ben mm-hmm. has played with – like, I think some of Ben's limitations offensively are self-inflicted, but he's never played with a great offensive mind, you know, as head coach. Um, you know, Doc Rivers, Brett Brown, those guys are fine coaches, but I, I've, I mean, I've covered the Sixers. For Not in that creative now. way. Yeah, yeah I've, right. I've never watched them run offense and be like, oh, the, like everything I run is incredibly brilliant. And so, mm-hmm. um, not that's the only way to evaluate a coach, of course, but I just think right. Ben would benefit from that. Like, again, Ben has to get better in terms of consistent screen setting, consistent rolling to the rim, things like that. But you never know. Sometimes coaches have a way of, like, just unlocking that in guys. So uh, I'd be really interested to see Ben in, in a new setting, which I think I don't like, I don't know where Ben's going to go. I, I do think he will get moved. Uh, and I am really fascinated to see how he does in a new place because he's, I mean, he's only known 
basically when we had one season, one season with Doc. He's only really known one situation. I know there's been different teams, but mm-hmm. coaching matters too. So, um, but shifting to the return package in terms of what the Wolves be giving up, what's the what's the scouting report on, on Beasley and D'Lo? How would they, you know, complement Joel? How would they help? Just give Sixers fans a little synopsis of maybe what what to expect beyond the, their general idea of these guys, which obviously people know the the general premise yeah. of D'Lo and Beasley to an extent. Yeah, well, so D'Lo came back for the twenty-two final twenty-two games of the season after um, getting a knee scope, a functional, mm-hmm. getting his knee cleaned up. Um, and, you know, and part of his knee get, deciding to get his knee cleaned up was the fact that he was playing terribly um, mm-hmm. prior to that. And you know, how much is that is the knee? How much of that is he needed to be the number one and he couldn't handle it? Probably a little bit of both. But D'Lo was it, it was not going well in the first half of the season at all. But he comes back the for these last 22 games of the season. And now Ant has taken, has completely evolved in the player he is compared to the player that he was playing next to D'Lo at the beginning of the season. And Cat's back. You know, Cat, those two, um, Cat and, and D'Lo only played four games together of the first 50 of the season. So, so it's complete. Everything changes the final 22 games of the season. D'Lo looks healthy. Ant is surrounding him more. D'Lo doesn't have to take on this massive load and and it was working it was really working i mean the wolves went 11 on 11 those those final 22 games 11 and 9 in the games that cat played in and 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 you saw him playing um delo that is you saw delo playing often in off ball situations as well he's been labeled a lot of times as this like point like true point guard but that's never really been the case back mm-hmm. from you know brooklyn to golden state to even even in his time when he was here, he's very comfortable playing off ball. Like he played with Jordan McLaughlin a lot. Jordan McLaughlin's like a five eleven point guard. He's the guy bringing up the ball, initiating the action. Dilo played through the nail. He raised up, you know, from from the corner, and then he would kind of be the second creator in those type of situations. And and he was he really played well. He really played well offensively down the stretch. He has a ton of defensive liabilities, um, just given his at his athletics and his strength, athleticism mm-hmm. and strength that, that limit him um, pretty immensely as a defender. And there's effort things there too, but we saw more of the effort. You saw way more of the effort in those, that, that end of the season and looks like a player who you're like, all right, you know, I could see him having a good season next year. And mm-hmm. if you really want to go glass half full with it, you're like, well, you know, is there is there a player in the league like if we got to pick next year's Julius Randle right that guy who's been you know is a high pick but has floundered his first five six years in the league and then all of a sudden like makes somewhat of a leap no, I'm not going to say deal is going to be like an MVP candidate but I think you hear what I'm getting at mm-hmm. like yeah that that wouldn't shock me uh, you know out of deal I think you need to be on a better team like maybe the Sixers or something like that for that to happen. But I, I really do think Delo's grown up some and, and is a little bit more committed to it in that way where he could be, um, he could be a lot more of a weapon than, than what, you know, his star fell a lot when he went to golden state and his star fell a lot at the beginning of this year uh, when, when he was playing without cat. But I, I think, you know, he's, he's regaining some steam and is a player that I, you know, Everyone's going to look at the the salary and be scared about it. I don't know if he's a max player, but he's not a bad player by any means. Yeah, I, I think and you mentioned kind of the athletic athletic limitations. It, it is like pretty 
pretty big, a pretty big testament to his skill level that he's this even just a, a good player. Um, I mean, he's just he's not flexible, he's not fast, he's not strong. Like, and but he's he's a, he's a fantastic shooter. He's a very good passer. Like he would he would instantly become the Sixers' best half court passer that they've had. I think in this era, maybe maybe Jimmy Butler was a little better because he could get downhill. But in terms yeah, of true. pure passing talent, I, mean, I think D'Lo would absolutely be the best one of this the Embiid era. Um, he's so super how, long too. He's like six ten wingspan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's just a he's just a big dude with a lot with a lot of guard yeah. skills. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that I mean, and that would be interesting because you have you still have Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. Um, you know, I, so you could still kind of play him in a you know you it would be a somewhat similar situation to when he came back from injury. Um, in that you have your your big man as the offensive hub. Uh, you have a kind of a, mm-hmm. a secondary strong wing creator there um, who plays off of him, and then you have you know D'Lo is kind of maybe the third option, but the the best passer, obviously, Cat is a much better passer than Joel. Um, sure. Better offensive player, you know, in general. But um, yeah, I'd be interested to see how that would look, especially if you have. I mean, this is now to mean the hypothetical players where Kyle Lowry's in town too. So you don't. I mean, you wouldn't even have to rely on D'Lo for even maybe the third option. You could be maybe the the three B or whatever. So um, I'd be really interested to see how that would work. Um, but then Beasley, what are you what are you getting from Malik on, on both ends? Like how how is he? How would he be optimized? What are his best strengths and what are the ways to avoid, you know, his, his weaknesses really uh, manifesting. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll start with the positives. Incredible shooter. And it really, mm-hmm. and, and probably one of the best shooters in transition, like just like footwork of being mm-hmm. able to like sprint to the, like sprint to the corner, catch the ball and shoot it. He's elite at that. And as you've talked about before, you know, relocating off ball and being able to hit threes at a high volume, like he's got that. Uh, that's like the one thing I, you know, I bet on with Malik Beasley and he works hard. I mean, he's, he's a, you know, he puts forth the effort. The problem is the effort is very often misguided. Um, it hurts him defensively when he's already at a disadvantage. He's a tiny guy. And I think a lot of people, like, I remember just like being in the locker room. That was, you know, it's like one of those things where your team trades for a player and you like, think you have an idea of them. But then you actually start watching him every day. You start being around him a little bit, and you're like, "Oh, like me and Malik Beasley are the same height." Like, wouldn't have thought that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, so he's just he's just small, and like, you know, the Wolves would play the Wizards, and he's on Bradley Beal, and it's just toast. Like, he 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 doesn't have. He's a really bad defender. Like, mm-hmm. um, and and so that's it's it's really problematical in the Timberwolves concept. Uh, just because they don't have a lot of defensive talent on, on the roster, you know, but you look at the Sixers with, you know, making it work with Seth, they've made it work with other guys over the time because they do have more defensive talent or they have, you know, Joel on the back line, you know, that, that makes a big difference. But if you think in like, you're not getting a three and D guy with Malik Beasley, you're getting an elite shooter and Mm -hmm. um, who, who might have some chops to be able to like, do a little bit more off the dribble. He can kind of, you know, he'll pull up from the mid range a little bit. He's, he's like a, he's a weak, but he's a three level scorer in, in a lot of ways. And um, I, I just, I, I think, you know, if you're realistic about Malik Beasley, he's, he can meet those expectations. But if you start thinking about him or which I think the way he kind of thinks of himself as like a true, like number one or number two on a team, that's when it gets dangerous. And, mm-hmm. and we just saw him, I mean, Timberwolves fans, everybody listening here knows, I mean, he single-handedly messed up like four games of flight game execution this year. Like, mm-hmm. do you remember the Cole Anthony, like hit that buzzer, half-court buzzer beater? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that game. 
yeah, that was, if you go back and watch, it is 100% Malik Beasley's fault. Um, like, it, so he's just, he's young though, too. You know, he's still 24. Um, I think 23, maybe just turning 24. And, and I, I think he's a great role player. He's just not a two way player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for anyone, Sixers fans listening who aren't quite familiar with the shooting credentials, uh, he's been basically an elite off ball shooter since he got to Minnesota a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, 42.6% on eight attempts a game post trade a season ago in 14 games, yeah. this game, 37 games, 39.9% on 8.7 attempts per game. Uh, so, I mean, in, again, as Dane mentioned, the footwork is great and transition. He's awesome. Really smart moving off the ball. Um, mm-hmm. you're getting, I mean, you're getting, I think, I mean, JJ Reddick was a great off ball shooter. I don't know if Beasley's better than, than JJ Reddick was for his two years, but you're getting the second best off ball shooter of the Joel Embiid era. Seth is great, but I think Seth has more on ball chops and, than either of those right, guys. Right. And some of his, that's, some of, that's where some of his shooting prowess comes from. But, but yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's tough. But we got to also talk about the off the court stuff. Like, <laughs> That, I mean, that's the thing. He's in jail currently. Actually, I think he got out like this week. So, uh, but I mean, there is, there is a, he is a massive off court liability. Like he, he has a three year, um, he violates his probation if he, you know, tests positive for even alcohol anytime over the next three mm-hmm. years. So he is on, that's why, like, if you talk to people around the league about Malik Beasley, like they can, they can rattle off these positive things here too, but, the amount of people who think that Malik Beasley is a value on a four-year, $60 million contract, like, I don't know. I, the, the off-court stuff is very troubling. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You just, you just don't know if Malik Beasley is going to be able to play, um, you know, as many games as ideal. But you don't know if he'll be in the NBA. Like, that, yeah, which I mean, is that's the part of the you, know, thing. you just hope that, you know, he, he gets the right crowd around him and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of – and as you mentioned, he's young. I mean, people – People figure things out all the time and kind of get back on, right. on the right path. So, you know, I think that's a fair point. Just, you know, the hope would be that he, he's able to, you know, figure it out and just, you know, get, he gets the right perspective and maybe, you know, I don't know. I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. It's just a very delicate situation to, you know, when you dive into those, those sorts of things. Uh, I, but it is, it's part of the calculation. I think yeah. if you, if you're, yeah. if you're playing fake Daryl Morey over there and I'm playing Gerson Rosas, um, mm-hmm. I mean, we could have a conversation about his, as a basketball player, Hundred percent worth that contract. Hundred percent. That's just that is the that is part of the inherent risk that that comes with trading for him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I totally. And it's just I mean, it just means you have to make sure that he isn't you. You feel comfortable that you can get him the resources he needs to really maximize himself as a player and and kind of. And the Wolves have been good about that. Like the Wolves have totally taken him under their wing. Have been extremely supportive. Uh, a lot of the player, I mean, Cat has been a, a, a mentor for him, and Ed Cat is, Cat's a good dude, um, you know. So, by all accounts, since his arrest, it's been, you know, he's been, an, uh, you know, an upstanding citizen, and uh, you know, really part of the like kind of heart of the Timberwolves in a lot of ways too. So, uh, it, you know, both things can be true, I guess. Yeah, and I think you mentioned kind of being the heart of the Timberwolves. I think the Sixers could use more guys like that. I think they've just kind of right. sometimes. They, not, I mean, I, I just think that sometimes they've they've kind of lacked. I don't want to say heart, but I think they maybe sometimes lack a, a key player having that sort of fire. Like I think Joel has yeah. it, um, I, but I don't think I think Tobias is more of a, a even keeled leader. I think Danny Green's the same way, but obviously Danny Green's only been there for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could use you know the, the, Jimmy Butler is obviously kind of a divisive figure in both both of these teams' organizations, but uh, for all of his faults, he clearly has a lot of fire within him, uh, and I think the Sixers not necessarily. 
that, I mean, I know that Jimmy, Jimmy's personality doesn't work on every team, but uh, point is, I know the Sixers could use a little more uh, just, I don't know what the, the right, right way to put it, but like pizzazz maybe, or just a little more spunk um, mm-hmm. in some ways. So uh, I think that could be that could be useful for them. But yeah, I certainly kind of, I, I get all, there's, there's an entire picture to, you know, assess Malik Beasley with in terms of what you can get from him on the court. Um, it doesn't always, doesn't entirely center around just what he actually provides when he's out there. So um, totally understand that. But um, Dane, we've touched on a lot of things today regarding Ben Simmons yeah. and, the, and the Wolves. Uh, anything you want to add before we head out for the afternoon? Um, really appreciate you coming on. But uh, I think where, just maybe as a conclusion, um, if you had, if you had, I don't want to maybe put you, I guess I'll put you on the spot here. Like if you had to give any sort of percentile of odds this happens in the next six months, let's say between now and the trade deadline, where would you, where would you land that Ben Simmons is a Timberwolf by next, my next mid February? Well, I'm going to follow your question with the question. What, but you, you said you think it's more likely than not that Ben Simmons does get traded, correct? Yes. So we'll call that like 60%, right? Yeah. I think 60% um, is, is reasonable. So, so then it's, it's of that 60%, right? And, and <laughs> I think like there are other teams and I'm sure you, you've probably done this even more than me, like playing around with what are the teams that it, it, it could be um, mm. that Ben Simmons could be traded to. And I, I would just say that like from, from the front out, the front office personnel making the deal, Kirsten Rosas and Daryl Morey, who worked together in Houston for 15 years, like that helps Rosas, you know, willingness to attack on the trade market helps a ton. And the fact that the Wolves have no power forwards on their team, And Ben Simmons is like a power forward, you know, like I don't, I don't, I really don't think it's crazy. I don't know of that, of that 60%, like 10, something like Mm -hmm. that. So, so I don't know. I, I, I I think that's actually pretty high of, you know, of a specific location. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's too high. I just, I see a lot of things that, that do line up now. Granted, as we talked about, you got to jump through that Kyle Lowry, thing what we didn't even talk about is like the Sixers and the hard cap I, I kind of feel like again what we didn't talk to about is Tobias Harris might also need to be on the move in a way to like shave some money like it gets complicated it gets it gets complicated but like just generally speaking the idea of starting a Ben Simmons to Minnesota discourse between Rosas and Maury like that seems really likely to me yeah I, I think I mean, just because both those both those guys kind of have an MO of being aggressive and and trying to mm-hmm. improve their teams through trades a lot, um, you yep. know. So yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think you know, the, like I, I think if I was, so I've had I've been four of these kind of Ben Simmons potential trade centers podcast. Now I've had Chicago, mm-hmm. I've had Portland, Indiana, uh, in Minnesota. I think Portland's the most likely, just given everything yeah. we've heard the last few weeks from them. Of course, and the fact that I think Jason Quick, the Athletic, reported last week that he thinks it's much, fairly probable that TJ McCollum was dealt, and CJ obviously makes a lot of sense in Portland. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, but I think I would probably of the of these four, I think I would rank Minnesota as second, um, you know, as a potential in spy. I just don't think Chicago makes sense. Uh, I think I Indiana, don't see it, man. I I really don't, and I I mean I'm as interested. Obviously, the Ben Simmons like placement, like outside of Minnesota, I, I'm just going through it, and I don't I don't know. It's it's, it's hard tough. to find it's, things that line up. It is. Yeah, because because as Daryl Morey said, like he's not they're not like Daryl Morey's too smart. He's not just gonna trade Ben Simmons to get rid of him. Right. Like, they're gonna tra- right. because as I've said, I think I've said this on pretty much every podcast when I discuss the topic, is they're not gonna trade guys who considerably are a better fit 
that make them worse overall, and then they're like five seed and they're losing the first round. Like they, they, yes, it's it's a bummer if you can't make it past the second round, but making the second round is a whole lot better than losing in six games or five games in the first round. Like at least you're closer there. So, um, and they've lost in se- they lost in seven games twice in the second round by single digits. So like they're clearly not like entirely far away from making you know being one of the final four teams here. Um, that's not to say that I think you know they were t- like I don't think when everyone's healthy this year that they would have been a a title contender. But point being is like. Just, they're not going to trade Ben Simmons for the sake of trading Ben Simmons. So right. uh, Minnesota would be second on my power rankings of these four teams. But, uh, yeah, I think 10% is sounds small, but I think it is a pretty pretty high number uh, given kind yeah. of how we how we lay it out that it's, it's tough to make work. I think 10% is a pretty uh, pretty high, high rate there. So, uh, Dan, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I appreciate everyone for listening. Give yourself a little shout-out where people will listen to you. Where can they find your work? Uh, the floor is yours here briefly, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, like you said, I covered, or if it wasn't painfully obvious, I uh, covered the Minnesota Timberwolves. I've been covering them for, uh, I think, like four years now. Uh, and and if you want to listen to me in podcast form, my podcast is predominantly Minnesota Timberwolves stuff. But obviously, here in the off season and the playoffs with the Wolves, <laughs> Wolves haven't played in a long time. It's a lot of just uh, NBA draft, uh, film reviews, NBA playoff stuff, and that's the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Um, and yep, that's, that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, make sure to, uh, give his stuff a listen and, uh, and read and whatnot, uh, because the Timberwolves are obviously might be a major player connected to the Sixers for, uh, the next few weeks or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, for everyone listening, I'll be back on Saturday. Yes. Today is Thursday. I have to always check that mental note in my head. Um, but I'll be back on Saturday. Talk some more Ben Simmons stuff. We won't drag this on too much longer, but I do think Ben Simmons is the most pressing topic of the Sixers offseason, so it'll get a lot of coverage, of course. But I'll be back Saturday. In the meantime, stay healthy, stay happy, stay safe. I will talk to all of you again soon.